You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Brunswick, Maine. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Here are some highlights from this week's program. They run into some of the challenges that boat ownership has, and, and we try to just make that a smoother process. I don't know. I call it Mainerize. I always think, you know, I look at all this fashion stuff, and I'm like, well, would that work in Maine? Mm, I don't know. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to Love Maine Radio, show number 235, Coastal Creativity, airing for the first time on Sunday, March 20th, 2016. Maine appeals to a broad range of people in part because of its beautiful coast. More than simply coming here for recreation, many people find creative ways to make a living with the water as inspiration. Today we speak with entrepreneurs Ben Davis, founder of True Course Yachting, and Shana Reddy, designer and founder of The Ropes. Thank you for joining us. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Apothecary by Design. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines prepared by experienced professionals with a focus on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled, you need attention, advice, and individual care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way that it's meant to be. Experience chef and owner Harding Lee Smith's newest hit restaurant, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room. Maine seafood at its finest. Joining sister restaurants, the front room, the grill room, and the corner room, this newly renovated two-story restaurant at 86 Commercial Street on Custom House Wharf overlooks scenic Portland Harbor. Watch lobstermen bring in the daily catch as you enjoy baked stuffed lobster, raw bar, and wood-fired flatbreads. For more information, visit www.theroomsportland.com. Having recently um, brought a boat into my own family, I am quite excited to talk to this next individual who apparently has had boats in his life his entire existence, which I'm a little jealous of. This is Benjamin Davis. He founded True Course Yachting in 2012 a generational captain, Ben grew up working for his family's charter sailing business. Immersed in the yachting world, Ben developed a strong affiliation and devout passion for the marine industry. His natural seamanship and leadership abilities have led to many opportunities to manage and captain boats all over the world, from the eastern seaboard to Hawaii and Central America. Headquartered in Yarmouth along the Royal River with a new branch office operating in downtown Camden, True Course Yachting has experienced rapid growth since its founding in 2012. Thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. So your new office is is really new. It's within the last month or so. It is the last couple of weeks. We just had our, our big opening event um, with all of our industry partners up in um, up in Camden just just a few weeks ago. So what that tells me is you guys must be doing okay. Yeah, we're we're, we're doing all right. We've got a growing team. We've got ten people on our team right now, and um, looking forward to. Uh, starting the hiring program up in the mid-coast and, and bringing um, some more captains and crew onto our roster. True Course Yachting does uh, what, what you call comprehensive management offerings, which are port captain delivery and concierge services. For somebody who's not in the yachting or boating world, what does that mean? 
So what that means is is basically what, what we're doing is providing concierge yacht management services for the people who, who own boats under 100 feet, um, primarily owner-operated. They don't want to rely fully on professional captains and crew. We provide um, the support for them to fall back on for all the things that they don't necessarily um, want to deal with on the day-to-day. And they want to, they, you know, they're t- typically busy folks who um, want to enjoy their boat, but might not necessarily have the time to, um, to, to do all the other kind of fringe stuff that we focus on. So last summer when we were uh, trying to get our boat out of the water quickly, we have, a, we have a little pursuit. It's by no means a yacht, not even close to 100 feet, but um, we knew there was possibly a hurricane coming and uh, we called you up and we said, hey, can you help us out? And, and you absolutely did. You managed to get it up out of the water, taken care of. Um, we didn't have to worry about it. And so that sounds like you do everything from actually offering captains for people's larger vessels to um, the types of services that we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of project management like that, a lot of support. So we we lean on um, the boat yards and the boat brokers and, and other um, professionals in our industry to to do a lot of the hands-on service stuff. And we kind of act as a as a coordinator for all of that. So so luckily that that um, that circumstance ended up pretty well, and we, we got your boat out and safe. And I think this is important because there are, although there are people who are like you in families that have been boating for many years, there are also people like me who may have lived in Maine the entirety of her life and still never owned a boat. Sure. Yeah, exactly. We see that a lot. We see a lot of folks who might have done a lot of boating when they were younger, and then, you know, they they may have moved away, away from the ocean, and, and they didn't have that experience sort of in the middle of their life, and now they're having the opportunity later in life to come back and, um, and kind of rediscover boating uh, how, it, how it used to be. And, and typically when that happens, they, they run into some of the challenges that boat ownership has, and, and we try to just make that a smoother process. So for you, you are involved with um, your family's charter sailing business, and you've been associated with the marine industry, probably sounds like your whole life. Mm-hmm. What was the path that you took um, to get to the place where you actually own your own business that now has a satellite office. Sure, sure. So um, Kahuna Catamarans was the name of uh, my family's business in Florida. Worked for the, for the family business there, and, and after that um, made a bit of a jump out to Hawaii where I worked for Trilogy Excursions, um, who were actually have come full circle and are working with again in a project management capacity, which is really fun. Got some great experience there. Um, got called back to Maine about four years ago, five years ago, um, when I started working for the Biddeford Pool Yacht Club. And in my last um, last full season there, I, I, I started True Course, and um, that was almost four years ago now. So, so that was the that was the path that. Um, that really helped me progress from charter captain to the to the private yacht world, and then following that um, into starting this business. And it's it's the uh, it's the business and building the team that I really have kind of um, really found my niche, I think, and and I'm really enjoying so far. When you were working as a captain, you must have also worked with individual teams on some of the the larger vessels, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. The um, uh, whether it was private yacht stuff out of out of Newport, Rhode Island, and and yacht racing, which I did there, or some of the some of the larger charter company stuff, which would be Trilogy and Maui, there there were have 
they did have uh, uh, pretty fairly large teams and, and got an opportunity to manage one-on-one and uh, kind of develop those skills. Not everyone feels drawn to manage or lead or organize other people because if you're, it's one thing to manage yourself. It's another thing to sort of look at all the different moving pieces and people and try to get everything to work. Mm-hmm. What is it about that that appeals to you? Um, I, I don't even know if it's that it really it really appeals. It's just it's it's what I uh, it, it's what I feel like I should I should be doing, and it's it's just it's very natural, you know. Um, I I like I'm pretty confident with what my strengths are, and I like to um, fill in um, those other holes with people that are better than I am. So, so building those teams and, and, and filling those, those gaps in the places that we need them in different parts of the business is something that I, that I really enjoy and um, that, it, that I'm really drawn to. One thing I've noticed about the, um, the marine world is that it seems to be people know each other. Um, it seems like you can talk to somebody and they'll be like, oh, I, I knew this person when I was over in Italy or, mm-hmm. you know, I was mm-hmm. around the world. And it just seems like it kind of it makes the world seem like a much smaller place. It sure is. It is a, it is a very small community. Relationships are everything in, in our business, in our industry. And um, that's one of the things that I, that I love about it. You can go anywhere in the world and, and run into an old friend or, or at least one degree of separation. It's... Um, that's one of the big draws for sure. So what are some of your favorite stories about um, captaining or about some of the things that you've done since you stopped doing that? Um, well, I wouldn't say stopped because it, there's always there's always the opportunity. Just a few weeks ago, I just got back from a trip um, bringing a boat from from uh, North Carolina to Florida for Bruckman Yachts. And I'm, I'm back down in Palm Beach this weekend um, working with Bruckman again, and so there, there's definitely lots of opportunity there, um, which which leads to a, a, a pretty fun lifestyle at times. Um, but uh, some of the best stories are uh, definitely come from our customers, um, where we've had opportunities to to both teach and, and support folks to be able to do things with their boats that they they uh, necessarily wouldn't have done wouldn't have done before. Um, I mentioned Trilogy Excursions uh, before, and we just started a project with them, um, partnering with Gold Coast Catamarans and St. Croix, which is, which is great because I've been away from Trilogy for some time now, but because Gold Coast is, uh, is an East Coast, it's based in the Caribbean, um, they're calling on us to use some of our project management um, team to help them build a, a new sailing catamaran from Maui, Hawaii. So that's, that's a pretty cool story of... of you know, keeping those relationships and, and everything coming full circle again. Is there a difference between um, yachting or sailing in places like Hawaii, the Caribbean, um, and places like Maine? Yeah, fundamentally it's all the same, but um, they're, they're definitely, you know, local knowledge is a big deal, and also um, the, the different sailing cultures are very, very different. Um, New England is historically... Um, one of the best places to sail in the world, and, and we definitely like to think that it, it also has some of the best boat builders and craftsmen um, here, specifically in Maine, and that's why we're here. Um, that's a that's a big reason. It's it's got a really deep sailing culture, and um, and then the environment is is just fantastic. There are lots of places to go, and and in in my experience, being in the Pacific, and and then 
over here in the Atlantic, it's um, it's the best place to be, hands down. Why? Why is it the best place to sail? Well, well, one, you've got some of the best uh, boat builders, so you have the opportunity to sail some of the nicest boats in the world, which is fantastic. Um, but then it's also um, the environment, the, the islands and the season. You know, we're coming into the spring season now. It's all very exciting. You can feel the energy of the boatyard starting to starting to get busy and and the shrink wrap starting to come off the boats and and all that and i think everyone even if you're not within the industry i think people feel that you know they're driving down they drive down the road and they can they can see a little more action going on on the waterfront and it's it's really a culture around here so for someone who is just wanting to either get back into boating or um, get into it for the first time what are some of the things that you talk about with that? Mm. Um, well, f- pairing the the right boat with what they want to do and, and um, how they want to get back into boating is, is probably fundamentally the most important thing. Um, and for that, we lean on um, some of our brokerage industry partners and, and, and people who, who sell the boats who are much better at finding that pair than we are. So we work with East Coast Yacht Sales a lot here in Maine and, and all over New England, and those guys are, are real professionals at, at finding that, that, uh, that right pairing because if, you, if, you're, not, if you're not matched with uh, the, the proper boat, it's really tough to find that, um, to find that right blend. But then once, once they get put in the right boat, that's where we come in, and the experience of having the confidence on board and going to the right places and um and really being comfortable uh in and around the boat with their family is is kind of what we excel at building that confidence yes i'm thinking about when we first got our boat just um and having not had a boat before just actually getting the boat into the dock just Mm -hmm. making sure that we didn't crash into the dock and it it's um surprisingly more difficult than you might think it sure is yeah we do um uh, a lot of one-on-one um, coaching with folks when they when they build a new boat because it's boat boats nowadays are are pretty complex. You know, there's lots of systems, there's electronics, there's there's a lot going on. So we, we kind of start there so people are are familiar with with all the components and systems of the boat, and then we go into the boat handling. Um, I work with a lot of families um, about how you communicate on board, which is very important. It can be kind of a stressful thing every once in a while. So, so that's a big deal. So it's really a pretty comprehensive um, how-to when, when we start working with people on board. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point because I remember one situation. We have um, six kids in our family amongst the two, between the two of us, and five of them are in college. One of them is in high school. So they're all fairly old mm. but having never had a family boat together just knowing how to say um put that over there and put the put the bumper or pull this in and mm-hmm. and and that can get surprisingly um challenging if you're in a place where maybe the wind is high or the tide's in a strange yeah, the stress level goes up a little bit yeah yes. absolutely for some reason uh every, everyone's um everyone's communication changes from from being in the kitchen together to being on the boat the blood pressure goes up a little bit and uh, we try to we try to minimize that and and make everyone really comfortable so that they they can have a good time when they're boating it's not a stressful event what i really enjoy about um getting out in the water is just the opportunity to see the world in a completely different way to see islands that i've known maybe 
like I've seen them out from the mainland or maybe I've driven over a bridge to them. But when you see them from the water, it, they just, there's something really unique about them. And it really kind of reminds you of just how vast this, this body of water that surrounds mm. us is. Mm. Yeah, you can, um, that's one of my favorite parts about being here, especially in Casco Bay, because you can spend a lifetime exploring and um, you can rediscover it every season. And it's, it's really, you know, another great reason to, to bring your boats here and to, and to explore Maine. So what are some of your favorite places to go within Maine? Um, Casco Bay, again, is, is fantastic. Penobscot Bay, really looking forward to this summer having the new location in Camden to, to be able to explore Penobscot Bay again because um, there, there are, are so many great little, little seaside towns and villages um, to bring the boats in and uh, the communities up there are so welcoming to transient boaters that um, I'm really looking forward to, to explore Penobscot Bay more this season. What about other parts of the world? What are some of your favorite places? Oh, sure. Um, well, the Bahamas is great. We're, we're in the Bahamas quite a bit um, in places like the Abacos Marsh Harbor. Uh, we've got some really great clients of ours that, that spend the winter in Georgetown, so we're fortunate enough to go there. Um, I'll be in St. Croix a bunch starting next month working with Gold Coast Yachts. Um, I've never been there, so looking forward to, to explore there a little bit. And then, of course, the, um, there are, are lots of places to go in the Pacific so for people who are, like you, um, interested in doing something within this industry, but maybe haven't, there's no, doesn't seem like there's a particular map, like how to, sh- how to start uh, an organization like True Course Yachting. It doesn't seem like you, there's not a college course on how to do this or a business school course. It seems like there's a lot of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. What advice mm-hmm. would you give them? A lot of, a lot of making mistakes yes. and pivoting from those. Um, I think if there's anyone out there that wants to, uh, get into the marine industry and is young and is willing to work really hard, they should come talk to me. I hope my email's on this so they can, they can shoot me an email and we'll get together for a coffee or something. But um, the, uh, the, the biggest thing is, is start building relationships and get outside of your, of your zone or your boatyard and, and go meet people because, as you said before, it's a small community. The more people you meet, the better you're going to do. And, um, and I, I think that's, that would probably be my, my best piece of advice was just to get out and, and meet, meet the characters, meet the personalities, and um, start making a little bit of a name for yourself. What did your childhood look like? Why did you, do you think, um, when you were a kid, did you ever see yourself doing this at this age? Um, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't think I would have seen myself do, do this, I, but uh, now looking back, I can, I can see how it all happened. M- my parents are a huge influence in what, I, what, um, what I've done. Uh, my dad's probably got one of the best attitudes out there. He's he's the most positive guy I know, and my my mom's got this work ethic that's that's pretty unbelievable. So that you combine those, and that um, I guess uh, like makes for a, a halfway decent entrepreneur. And um, that's that's kind of how I how I ended up here. Is there anything about um, being an entrepreneur that you found challenging or intimidating? Oh, it's challenging every day, but that's probably the best part. The um, not being afraid of the of uh, not having a day off for a really long time or maybe ever. You're always kind of on. But, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff intimidating. There's lots of scary stuff. But I think that's why we do it. And uh, that's, that's what I love about it, the challenge. So what are some things that you have found particularly intimidating? Uh, well, um, 
it's a lot of diving in head first when you're not quite sure if it's going to work out or not. And um, a lot of times it doesn't, but those times that it does makes it all sort of worth it. Um, and then also um, the people factor is is everything, right? So so building those relationships and, and figuring out um, kind of how you can bring the most value to folks um, kind of the easiest way possible has, has been really challenging for me. And, and that's not just customers, that's that's mainly my team, right? So we've got an incredible group of people at True Course that I'm really fortunate to be able to work with every day. And my uh, journey in, in um, getting to know them and, and what kind of gets them up in the morning and, and, and setting out a path for them that, that they want to want to go down is, is, is both hard and the most rewarding thing. Where would you like to see yourself in five or ten years? Uh, well, hopefully we, we keep growing like this, and um, we'd love to have True Course offices down the coast in, in, um, in Boston and Annapolis and Charleston and, and all over the place. So we've got pretty high high goals, but I think we're, we're on the path. So Is there anything going. else that you think that, you, that people would like to know about True Course Yachting as they're possibly considering, hmm, maybe I'd like to hire Ben Davis? Mm. Um, well, we're really, uh, luckily we've got such a, a depth of knowledge with the people that we're working with that, that we can really customize any program. So, so everyone, um, has different needs when it comes to how they want to use their boat. And I would just encourage anyone, please reach out to me, uh, reach out to me direct so we can, we can talk about it. And that's, that's the best first step. And, um, whether it's, not getting enough time on your boat and, and how do we maximize that time that you do have or there's some there's some more challenges of you don't feel like you're using your boat well enough or or maybe you don't know what kind of boat you should have let's let's talk about it and and i think that um so far our track record's shown that we can we can adapt what is the website for true course yachting it is www.truecourseyachting.com and I'm assuming on that website they will have access to your phone number and your email address. So the whole thing, yeah. And our Facebook page is pretty active. We're working pretty hard on that. And so you can you can find us. Absolutely. Well, I must say that I've really enjoyed working with your sister, Emily, who is the social media online editor for Main Magazine, Love mm-hmm. Main Radio, and people mm-hmm. at 75 Market Street. And if she... Um, if this is a family work ethic that you're describing, then I certainly also see it in her. So if you are um, as hardworking and as um, intelligent and as intuitive as I've seen Emily to be, then I have no um, question that you will be just as successful as you were hoping to be in the next five or ten years. Thank you very much. She coaches me along. We've been speaking with Ben Davis, who is the founder of True Course Yachting, a company that he began in 2012, which now has offices in Yarmouth and Camden. Uh, please take the time to go find out more about his organization. Ben, it's been really great to have you here, and I wish you all the best in your endeavors. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Love, Maine Radio is brought to you by Berlin City Honda, where the car buying experience is all about easy. After all, life is complicated enough and buying a car shouldn't be. That's why the Berlin City Honda team goes the extra mile by pre-discounting all their vehicles and focus their efforts on being open, honest, and all about getting you on the road. In fact, Berlin City recently won the 2015 Women's Choice Award, a strong testimony to their ability to deliver a different kind of car buying experience. Berlin City Honda of Portland, 
easy. It's how buying a car should be. Go to BerlinCityHondaME.com for more information. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by MacPage, an accounting and management consulting firm that believes the path to success is paved by their ability to build lasting, meaningful relationships with their clients. MacPage, accessible, approachable, and accountable. For more information, go to MACPAGE.com. It's a lot of fun for me every day to uh, get on my Instagram account and see what's happening out in the world. And one of the people that I have followed for a little while now is actually in the studio with me today. This is Shana Reddy. She is a graduate of the Rhode Island School of Design. Shana's career in apparel design took her to New York City and Boston. However, it was the natural beauty of her home state that drew her back and inspired the creation of The Ropes. Shana is interested in jewelry that tells a story and that holds a memory. Shana spends her free time on the water with her husband and two children lobstering on the family boat and exploring the endless islands and surprises off the coast. You have a great story. <laughs> yeah. And you also have a great Instagram account. I mean, you have a, you have a lot of people who wake up every morning and want to know what Shana Reddy is doing. Yeah. Um, I know. It's been interesting. I sort of have um, – I love giving people um, – something to look forward to, even if it is just a thought of the day. Um, you know, my father in college always sent me these um, uh, emails, and it was um, the thought of the day. And my friends would always laugh and chuckle, but it sort of made the outlook of the day a little brighter, um, if you could sort of look at it that way. Um, and um, social media has just been a really fun way for me to connect with people. Um, I don't I try to keep it very um, natural and um, not so staged because I do feel like there's a lot of people that it's very staged. Um, but if I get a thought or think something's really cool, then I try to like share it with people. Um, you know, hey, check this product out, or um, did you see how beautiful just the water is today? You know, um, yeah. And your account for people who are interested in following you is the Ropes Main. And the ropes is because you actually have bracelets that you create yeah. that are made out of rope. Rope, yeah. So tell me about that. So um, that all started one snowy winter. Um, I was just sort of digging in the garage through my husband's lobster gear, found some snap hooks and, you know, um, some great rope we had lying around. And I started making bracelets for myself. Um, and... I came up with several different ones, but I really kind of honed in on two that eventually came became the Kenny Bunk Port in the Portland. Um, and I started wearing them around, and my friends um, just loved the bracelets, and they were like, oh, you got to take these to local stores. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know, you know, it's probably just one of those, like, things that I, you know, put together at home. Um, I like to do sewing and knitting and all sorts of stuff, so I just figured it was something like that. Um, but, you know, eventually my friend literally, like, held my hand, and we went into Bliss and Angela Adams and all the local stores, and um, they began to really pick up on them and like them, and um, it just seemed like the right time for an item like that, um, a rope bracelet that was fashionable. Um, and um, from there, it just sort of took off, um, to my surprise, <laughs> you know, um, but you've always liked working with bracelets. 
Yes. Yeah, definitely. Since um, I'm, you know, I'm a product of the 80s. So I was making friendship bracelets and loved it. You know, um, I had a, a wrist full of bracelets all the time, making them for my friends. Um, so now when I look back at things, it's a little ironic that I ended up being not only a jewelry designer, but I, I do some sort of a, a weaving with this bracelets whipping, you know, it's, um, it's a specific type, but, um, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is really interesting how life sort of, um, turns like that. <laughs> Your parents came from California with you when mm-hmm. you, I think you were four or five. Yes. And they became the owners of the old fort in, yes. in Kennebunkport. Yeah. This was a big life change for them. Yes, it was huge. Um, you know, they ran the inn for, I think it was 30 or 35, close to 35 years. Um, and they, um, you know, my father always wanted his own business. And the way that whole came came about was my mom bumped into a pilot that, went, sorry, my mother was a flight attendant. And she bumped into a pilot and he was selling an inn in Kennebunkport, Maine. And uh, my dad wanted to run his own business. Um, our friends and family thought they were absolutely insane like you know leaving these great jobs they had in san francisco california they had stability they had family and they just up and were moving you know across the country to a whole new occupation that at the time innkeeping wasn't so um popular as it is now um you know so it was really risky um you know luckily the risk worked out um but and it was a great way for me to grow up i met people from all over the world um and that's where i really began to enjoy and love the lifestyle in Maine. Um, I really, um, I loved being on the water, being able to walk down to the beach, um, just the sense of community in Maine. Um, the people are really nice, so yeah. It's also been important for you to make that available to your children. You have a yeah. two-year-old and a 10-year-old and you yes. spend a lot of time with them. And Maine has been important to you and your family. Yeah, I definitely, um, because I studied fashion design at the Rhode Island School of Design, I knew that I owed it to myself to, um, you know, sort of experience those cities in Boston and New York and, um, you know, see what fashion was all about. But I guess deep down I knew that wasn't the lifestyle I wanted. Um so I tried it for a little while, um, and then I very consci- consciously remember sitting in my cubicle in New York and looking around at all these young, you know, women working there, and they were all really busy um, and loving their life in New York. But there was something missing for me there. Um, New York, New York is amazing in um, a cultural stand from a cultural standpoint. There's a lot that's there um, in kind of in your face and. It can be really um, energizing and inspiring and fun um, and wonderful in that way. Um, I guess I, it was at that point that I realized I preferred Maine and I preferred um, not a slower life, but just sort of a lifestyle where I think there's so much creativity here in Maine, but it's not so in your face. You have to kind of like seek it out and kind of it's like a hunt like it's like you go down to the beach and you're like what treasure am I going to find you know same thing with you go to you know these little flea markets and stuff and oh what sort of piece of history am I going to find here and what is that going to inspire um I really like that um about Maine is you never know what's kind of around the corner um 
you know, even just exploring the coastline, you know, you go down a dirt road and you could find this beautiful beach that overlooks this island that you didn't ever know was even there, you know, so. That's interesting because the way you're describing the find is is the way that you described to me earlier how you got into making the ropes. It's really, so what is in front of me that I can weave into something else? Yeah, I mean, I very much, like, accidentally became a jewelry designer. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't, you know, seek out to have my own business even. Um, I just was doing something out of, like, my own joy and love. And, um, you know, it just happened to turn into something that I can still do um, and love and work on every day. Um, You know, and I, I do, I feel like I continue to work on it every day. You know, there is no end all be all or right or wrong you know um you're just continuing to explore and Maine allows me to do that did it help that you had parents who were doing their own thing they had their own business and now you have a husband who also is an entrepreneur and he has his own business did it help to be surrounded by other people who were able to show you that it was possible if you believed in yourself to move forward yes definitely um although I would say, you know, my my husband has a um, a lobster business with his brother here in Maine, Ready Seafood, and that, and then my parents in the old Ford Inn, that those are very different than what I do. Um, so it was sort of inspiring to watch these people have their own business, um, and definitely you learn um, from things they've done. But my path was very different, um, and I think that my experience in the cities in New York and in Boston really um, helped me um, sort of focus on the fashion point um, of what I do. I don't think that I just make a rope bracelet. I think I have created a um, a style um, with the bracelet. Is there's a, I don't know how to describe it. it. It's so funny. It's it's sort of a look. Um, that um i don't know uh, <laughs> well i think that's a really good point because it's not i, I like reading your quotes on instagram but i yeah. also equally like um seeing what you do with the bracelets and seeing where the bracelets appear because yeah um, you will pair a bracelet with a pair of jeans but you also pair it with something more tropical yeah and in, and your bracelets actually have been picked up by um media outlets mm-hmm. around the country. Yeah. So other people are agreeing with you that these bracelets really are kind of the, um, I don't know, a focal point. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It, it spe- Somehow people can relate to them. It speaks to people. Um, I think because the, um, the materials are used are so basic and um, people can just sort of relate. And I think that there's something really nice about um, the sort of juxtaposition of putting this chunky rope bracelet on, but having, you know, a little black dress on and going to a cocktail party. It's sort of, um, you're dressed up, but you're not forgetting who you are or you're, um, you're making a statement with this, you know, sort of chunky piece of jewelry that, um, is nice, I think. 
<laughs> well, it's very Maine. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the whole, I've been astounded by how popular bean boots and flannel shirts have become yeah. over the last few years. I mean, because I grew up wearing these. I yeah. was also a child of the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what we wore, but it yeah. wasn't because the rest of the world wore it. Mm-hmm. There's something that's very grounding about Maine and yes. how we choose to live our lives. And it doesn't mean we can't be fancy. No. We're just kind of this interesting combination. We can wear our little black dress and our bean boots and our rope bracelet. Yes. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, I think there's something really nice and rugged about Maine, and you have to sort of, um, I don't know, I call it Mainerize. I always think, you know, I look at all this fashion stuff, and I'm like, well, would that work in Maine? Mm, I don't know. You know, um, definitely if I were still living in a city and going out to these fancy parties, I could wear that. But it's like, you know, you have to think about what I'm doing here in Maine and and um, whether or not um, that's going to work with your luck. <laughs> um, yeah. But your bracelets also have some really great colors. I think mm-hmm. I bought the first um, ropes bracelets that I bought were actually in Kennebunkport in the little store um, there. Yeah. And two of them had bright fluorescent colors because I was giving them to my teenage daughter and my younger daughter at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've been able to make really interesting variations on a theme. Yeah, yeah. I love color. I get really inspired by color. I feel like it has endless um, possibilities. Um, you know, any way you combine different color, I think it, it's really beautiful. And um, I like to give um, the people that wear my bracelets like a reason um, to keep buying them. And, um, you know, the only bracelet that I f- am like kind of committed to, I feel like, is my anniversary bracelet, my five year anniversary bracelet. I wanted a bracelet that would go with everything and that was why it was so neutral and it was just the two mixed metals and and that worked and then I feel like that will always be on the line but then the other um bracelets the colors will change through the seasons um which I think keeps my customer entertained but it also keeps me inspired and entertained it keeps things interesting for me um you know I love putting collections together for um different companies that I work with it's it's really fun tell me about some of these experiences that you've had with these companies because you are your own self and your own entrepreneur and you're very mean but you also have been collaborating with some really interesting other people yeah um let's see um you know it's funny that they just all have kind of I guess I was very lucky from the get-go. I, um, my first ever um, uh, exposure was an L.com, and um, it was because a friend of mine was wearing my bracelet down in New York City, and her friend worked at L and loved the bracelet. And then I got this notice that it, they were going to feature it on the website, and I was like, I don't even have a website. I had no website at the time, so I'm freaking out. I'm like, well, I gotta have some place to direct people. So I literally called my friend up in New York. I'm like, can you like put a website up like this weekend? I need a place to for people to go. Um, and she did. I literally just took quick photos on my iPhone and sent them down to her because I was like, just put anything up. Anything's better than nothing. Uh, and she did that. And um, 
yeah, I mean, so then it sort of just took off from there. Um, I think that um, these different companies sort of came about. Um, I, I, I guess I've been really lucky in my um, business where I've never had to um, like ask a company to work with me really. They've sort of come to me and I've just sort of let that happen organically, naturally. Um, you know, and it comes sometimes at a nice time in your life and sometimes not so nice, you know. I mean, um, I'll, for instance, um, J. Crew, um, I got their order and I'm literally, I was in the hospital having my daughter Reese and I'm sitting there getting this email and going, oh my God, how, what a great opportunity, but how am I going to make this work? You know, here I am, you know, I'm this, I have this small business. I'm just having a child here, you know, and, um, you know, it, it, it was just a lot. And um, so I had to sort of make some sacrifices with her, um, with my daughter at first, and I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was interesting. And I think going back a little bit to the social media aspect is things are not always as they seem. Um, you know, I, the J Crew thing worked out. I had, you know, I had to plan everything. I luckily, it was just me at the time working at the ropes. And I luckily had um, my intern that has now turned employee um, was home from school for her Christmas break. And we both just like, you know, got through it all somehow. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I remember she was leaving me to go back to school and I just still had mountains of bracelets still to complete and she kind of felt guilty and I was like, it'll be okay, you know. <laughs> you know, and at the time, luckily my daughter was sleeping a lot cuz she was very little. Um and uh so that was happening and then um and then a couple months later, I got the call from J Crew and they um, wanted to feature me on their Discovered, which was a really exciting opportunity also. Um, but again, I had never left my daughter, who I just had. Um, I was still nursing her. Um, so there was a lot of stuff to, to sort of um, obstacles to get to getting me down to New York to do this, um, you know, this piece with them. Um, but I did it. And um, no, it wasn't pretty. I was in the bathroom, you know, pumping milk and <laughs> you know but that's what I mean like you know it looks all glamorous but it, you know behind the scenes there's other stuff going on you know um but I got through it um you know and um yeah that was a big accomplishment for me to do that big order for them um so that was good and then we just kind of continue on with other companies we work with um you know, um, constantly we get asked for to send samples out and stuff um, that can be used in photo shoots. Whether they're used or not, I don't know. You know, half the time they could be used, half the time they don't. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> well, you raise an interesting point, which is that um, you it's almost impossible to compartmentalize one's life when trying to parent and also mm -hmm. be an entrepreneur or even just have a job. Mm -hmm. I mean, and especially, I think, for women. Uh, we spoke with Erin Flett, who does her own designs, and Roxy Sugar, and she's mm -hmm. done um, fashion. And both of them described really having to weave their children into their 
yeah. into their lives. And I know my son, who's 22, when I was in medical school, he was on my lap nursing, and yeah. it was midterms. Yeah. Yet he was born during midterms. So I yeah. literally like got up out of giving birth to him, studied, and went and took those tests. Yes. And I think that that is, it kind of shows us our strength. It shows us yes. that it is possible to make it through. But it also shows our children how mm-hmm. strong they can be. Because yes. if they grow up with a mother who's able to also um, pay attention to them but do things that she loves then it causes them to think I think I can do this as well definitely definitely um I mean my day-to-day is you know I always say I think I'm I'm getting adult ADD because I'm just you know I'm I'm making bracelets and then I'm putting a lunch together or you know or I'm trying to figure out um you know, what soccer game my son needs to be at, or, um, you know, Reese is hungry, and, you know, I just got two orders that need to be done by the end of the week. You know, I mean, it's just constant um, sort of a juggling act and um, trying to get every, fit everything in and make sure everybody's happy. And, um, you know, like I said, it's not pretty, but at the end of the day, if everybody's sort of fed and bathed and in bed and homework's done I'm happy you know Um, so what do you do for your free time I know that you like to lobster on the family boat yeah that's kind of a summertime thing yeah um well I suppose it could be more than a summertime thing probably (laughs) probably your two-year-old isn't quite as excited about going on the lobster boat in January no (laughs) yeah no we don't go out in the winter um that often no so what do you do what do you do for the rest of your family time um we love to travel. We like, um, we can't get away for very long, but we like those sort of quick mini vacations that just kind of revitalize you, you know, even if it's for two or three days, it's just like, oh, okay, like I can get through the winter or, you know, things like that. Um, what else do I like to do? Um, um, I like to read, um, you know, definitely I like to kind of keep up with the fashion stuff um you know that looking through magazines and looking online getting inspiration and ideas um I I like to paddleboard um I like to ski but I haven't been skiing much um with my young daughter yet (laughs) um but I do like to be outdoors and I try to get to the beach you know at least once a day um you know, because I, again, I just feel like there's always a treasure there um, to find, and it's fun. Um, we were just out, was it yet, maybe the day before yesterday, we were out in our waders, um, you know, going through the water, taking my daughter and saying, you know, oh, look, there's a sand dollar, look, there's a sea urchin, um, you know, it's really fun to see what you can find, um, you know, in the shallow part of the water, Um So where would you like to see your business go in the next five years? Hmm. I would like to just honestly sort of maintain my lifestyle. And that's what I feel like I've, um, you know, I've created something that I can still enjoy my family and work and do something that I love. Um, I, I don't see, you know... A huge I don't see a ton of change you know I just 
I want to continue doing this as long as it makes me happy. And, um, you know, I like that it's small because I don't think that bigger is necessarily better. Um, I think bigger can bring on more headaches. Um, and I like that I still am a part of, I'm, you know, I'm a part of each and every piece that goes out of my workshop. And that's really important to me. Um, I like seeing things from start to finish. Um, Are you surprised that a, a woman from Maine who was once a girl from Maine could actually be successful as a jewelry designer, as a, as a someone in the fashion world? Very surprised, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it still is unbelievable to me. I can't believe I've been doing this for almost six years now. Um, it, you know, had you told me, you know, when I first started, no way. I would have been like, I, I don't think this is going to last that long, you know. Um, I mean, I still remember when I was just starting and both my parents and my husband were like, all right, this is really cool, but when are you going to start getting, like, a real job? And I was kind of like, well, it's either this or a real job because this is becoming a real job. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I Yeah, it's very surprising to me that um, I'm still doing this, but I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. Um you know, I think it, it's really fun. It's great. I have so many of my friends, or I've had some friends that, you know, don't you get sick of making the bracelets or wearing them? You know, because somebody that's in fashion, I would say, you know, you like a lot of change, like to change your outfit and stuff. Um, but I feel like there's a million different ways I can wear these bracelets, you know, uh, by throwing something else on with them or a different cuff or, um, and that all has personalities, you know. I think also, people's hands, there has a lot of personality to it. You can look at people's hands and see, you know, do they have nail polish on or do they have no nail polish, like long or short nails, like how much jewelry do they have on? Um, it says about a lot about a person. Um, it's, it's like a personality um, on a wrist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like I could be wearing something really fancy, but if I have this rope bracelet on, it says to someone that I'm down to earth, you know. For young men and women who are considering going into fashion or mm -hmm. jewelry design, um, what suggestions would you have? Um, I would say that um, don't compare your journey to anyone else. Um, to go with your gut and what feels right to you because there is no right or wrong um you know i think that you'll know as you go along um what feels right and um sort of in the back of your mind always have um your non-negotiables and um and stick to your guns with that stuff and um because only you know how you want your product to sort of come across. Um, yeah. I like it. <laughs> Sheena, how can people find out about the ropes? Um, I have a website. It's the ropesmain.com. And they can also go to Instagram and they can follow you there. Yes. <laughs> We've been speaking with Shana Reddy, 
who is a graduate of the Rhode Island School of Design and also the um, creator of The Ropes, a very successful jewelry business um, hailing from the southern part of our state. I, ha I have personally at least two of your designs and I love them. I will keep wearing them. I'll keep buying them for my now teenage daughters. Actually, now she's 20, so I guess she's <laughs> deserving maybe of another one entirely. Um, but I appreciate the time that you took to come in and talk with us today. It's, um, it's interesting to hear somebody say, when I was told to get a real job, I said, this is my real job. And I just kept on going. <laughs> yes. So I appreciate that. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. You have been listening to Love Maine Radio, show number 235, Coastal Creativity. Our guests have included Ben Davis and Shana Reddy. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit lovemainradio.com. Love Maine Radio is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Love Maine Radio Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter as Dr. Lisa and see my running, travel, food, and wellness photos as Bountiful One on Instagram. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of Love Maine Radio. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring Love Maine Radio to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belayo. I hope that you have enjoyed our Coastal Creativity Show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. Love, Maine Radio is made possible with the support of Maine Magazine, Berlin City Honda, McPage, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room, and Apothecary by Design. Audio production and original music have been provided by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producer is Kelly Chase. Our assistant producer is Emily Davis. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Susan Grisanti, and Dr. Lisa Bellisle. For more information on our host production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, visit us at lovemainradio.com. Here's an excerpt from next week's program. Not so long ago, I was driving down the road in Scarborough, and I saw this new building, and it said Salt Pump Climbing said, huh, I'm really intrigued by this because I know that climbing has become much more popular. It's not something that I do a lot of myself, but anybody who's interested in bringing this sort of thing to the state of Maine is somebody I want to talk to. So today we have with us Taki Miyamoto, who is a partner and general manager at Salt Pump Climbing, and Tino Fiumara, who is the head route setter and assistant program director at Salt Pump Climbing. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. Indeed. Why is it called salt pump climbing? What do you think of when you hear salt pump? Oh my gosh, questions asked back. Um, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's part of the idea with it, so that it sticks in people's minds and gets people thinking about what salt pump means. Uh, from our perspective, we wanted to tie it back to Maine somehow, a name that ties back to Maine. So we thought about the ocean and the salt, and at one point it was. Uh, salt was one of the most valuable minerals in the world, so we like those connotations. Uh, it's still an essential mineral, so we like that connotation. Uh, and the pump comes from, we have a pond behind our building, and so a water pump is where the community used to gather, so we like that connotation. And the pump itself has a uh, use in climbing when, you're, when you've climbed a lot or you're feeling pretty good, you say, people would say, I'm pumped. So it had a little bit of a tide to climbing. So we combined those two words, it sounded nice, it stuck, um, and then 
one thing we did do with the name is that we didn't include the word gym and that's because we aspire to be more than a gym at some point we want to be a home away from home for people so that's why it's salt pump climbing company and not salt pump climbing gym well i will probably never forget salt pump climbing so I, you have done your job effectively great <laughs> uh tino what is a root setter when you go into a climbing gym or any type of indoor climbing facility, you see holds all over the walls. Uh, and many people think that they're there just scattered about for, you know, so that we can scale them. And, and really, they're kind of intricately designed routes, uh, you know, courses in, in a way to follow that you, we actually set monochromatically. So you follow a certain color up, you know, and per the terrain that you're climbing, you can have a different style, a different difficulty, a different feel, and you're creating all these different experiences on, on the wall. So I kind of, I'm an, an experience creator. How did you get to be experienced in this and what's the skill set necessary? A lot of movement. It's, uh, it's 20 years of climbing in you know, uh, different places across the world on lots of different types of stone. And then uh, on the inside aspect, thinking about your entire possible uh, client population from two-year-olds to 80-year-olds and body styles and morphologies, tall people, short people, how you can make something accessible to everybody, fun for everybody, yet also kind of true to grade and uh, true to a certain sense of, uh, you know, as we understand climbing to be from outdoors. Tino, I'm interested in your background because um, you've done a lot of different things. Actually, both of you have done a lot of different things as I'm looking through, um, looking through your background information. But you've climbed kind of consistently in your life. Correct. Is that a thing? Once people start climbing, do they, do they just keep doing it because they can't stop for some reason? Yeah, and it actually fits very well with why you know, Salt Pump is not just a climbing gym. Climbing is a lifestyle, and there's from the kids that come into it to, like I was mentioning, the 80-year-olds who they're there regularly, and you have these multi-generational populations interacting enthusiastically about the exact same thing. And that's one of the more beautiful things about climbing uh, is that cross-generational approach. Uh, as well as you can do it indoors together, you can do it for fitness, you can do it for relaxation, and then you can travel the world because there's really no place in the world that doesn't have some form of climbable stone. How about you, Taki? You went to Bates, that's I believe one of your initial connectors with Maine, but then you practice as an attorney both um, in New York and also in Tokyo? Yep, that's right. Uh, Climbing has always been a constant since I started. Uh, we like at Saltpond we like to say that climbing can enrich our lives and the culture can make the world a better place. So I think once people start climbing, um, they see a lot of parallels, usefulness uh, in their daily lives, and they make climbing. They try to make climbing a central part of their everyday life, whether it's just knowing people who climb a lot, so they come together at, at Salt Pump or or go outside on the weekends or whenever um, they once you get hooked in sort of not just the act of climbing but in the culture of it and making your relationships your your whole life starts to revolve around climbing and so for me personally that's always been the case it's been a constant part whether it's just 
sort of centering myself at the end, at the end or beginning of the day, um, thinking about things to look forward to.